Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Hey, Andrew, how's it going, man? It's going good. Yeah, ready, it's time ready. for episode two. You ready yep. to do this? I'm ready to talk some first baseman. First baseman, that's what's on the show today. So, um, I got a question for you. You know how we just did episode one? You know how that open sucked? <laughs> Hey, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> no, you didn't have to. I, I noticed that while listening back to it. I was like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> I um, learned a few things about editing for that episode. I learned that if you rec- – I got it was my first time I've ever edited anything, like a podcast. And as I was doing it at the beginning, I was just over-editing the crap out of it. I'm like, hmm, there's a little dead air. Let me cut that out. Let me cut that out. And next thing I know, when I'm listening back to it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I sound like I'm trying to get through this open so fast with all the notes that if I don't get it done in the next few seconds, I'm going to just go to the bathroom right here. (laughs) (laughs) So what we did was Baseball 365, we took all of our funds out of our account and hired somebody to do our open for us. And that that's who you just heard introducing us before the show. And when I say funds, I mean, no, we don't have any funds. That's really just my wife, who is a professional who does record. But she introduced us this time, and I thought it sounded a little better and thought we'd do this a little different this way. What do you think? Sound better? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So this episode, we're going to talk first baseman. We're not going to do any news and notes because we did a lot of that just two days ago. We'll try to pick up on the news and notes going on in the league in the next few days. But I do want to just plug a couple things before we get going. Um, The best way to get a hold of us is on Facebook. We have a Facebook group called Baseball 365. We're getting real close to 1,000 members in there right now. Conversations going on daily. If you have a question about your fantasy team or if you just want to discuss baseball with a bunch of other people that are just as passionate about it, that's a great place to go join and interact with us all. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. There, we'll actually post every single time a new podcast is posted. So, other than that, we'll get started and talk about first base. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. So, I want to, before we get started, I'll let you guys know that we reached out on the Baseball365 group about a couple hours ago and let everybody know that we were talking first base tonight. And if anybody had any questions to ask about first baseman to post them there, got a lot of really good questions and we're going to be mixing them in here as we talk about these players. So once again, we're talking NFBC ADP is how we're going to go in the order of looking at the players and discussing them. So right off the bat, we start off with two players that are going 19 and 21 overall in ADP. And Paul Goldschmidt and Freddie Freeman. So, first question, Andrew. Between the two, is there one you like more than the other? Uh, Honestly, not really. I think that they are about as even as they can be. Uh, I'd I'd probably slightly prefer Freeman, actually. But 
I don't, it's, it's like they're right next to each other. You know, it just doesn't, they're the same to me. I don't have any strong preference at all. Last two years, their K to walk, their OBP, slugging, OPS, it's all basically the same. They're both awesome. I don't have a strong preference, no. Are you worried at all about Goldie in terms of he had a terrible first two months, or at least I was thinking of his first two months. It was really May, um, April and March. Both of those months, he had over a 30% K rate. Are you worried at all about him? Or No, not really. I think he's got enough track record that it's uh, he's fine. I've never been really big on him at the beginning of drafts, and it's burned me a couple times. Well, not really burned me because there's other studs there, but... I, I've always thought that the steals were going to drop off. You know, it's always been a question of when are the steals going to drop? When are they going to drop? Well, they're dropping. And now he's not going as high as he was. But that said, I mean, he's still an awesome hitter and deserves to be going where he's going. So I don't disagree. I think they're both studs, and I don't think you can go wrong with either. I did take Goldie in the, in the draft and hold league about a month ago. In all honesty, as I've thought about it some more, I don't think I really want to take either one of them unless they fall down a little bit, and I think I'm it's a good value. I, I think at that 1921 spot, there's just a few more other guys I think I'd rather have. So I don't know if I would draft them again in that slot, but I don't I also don't think it's a mistake. A guy like Goldie, he's still pitching it chipping in. He got seven steals last year, and when you add that in, that's still made for forty home runs plus steals, which is a real nice year. Um, yeah, the last three years he's gone thirty-two to eighteen to seven steals. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely you know it. This is kind of what I thought was going to happen, and that's kind of why when he's been going you know three two three four overall, it's just been in my head like okay, am I going to do this? And then the steals are going to drop. That's just been my issue yep. with him, but it's not a real issue. It's just you know where he was at. So I think they're close. I. I'm kind of with you. I, I don't necessarily take them there, but the the one defense I will say to taking them there is going down this list, this position, I feel like the top is strong, and when it drops, it drops hard. Yeah, and, definitely. And it's good to have a stud first baseman. I mean, it's just it's just good to have. It's you don't you don't want to look there and see Eric Hosmer in your lineup. You know, it's just like <laughs> you just don't. I mean, definitely not so, San Diego or Eric Hosmer. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I think it's good to get one of these top guys. That said, I I don't always do it either. I know it's 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 kind of a tough transition because first base has always been loaded. You know, it's just always been a heavy yeah. position for production. And I feel like it's not as strong this year. I feel like it's pretty shallow, actually. You know who I think was a real big difference maker for this position, and we'll get to him later, is Miggy Cabrera. I mean, he was a first-round pick up there with these guys, and that guy was lost. Yeah. I think Joey Votto had a rough year. We'll get to all those guys, but yeah. a, a few studs fell this last year, and yeah, no that really hurt the position. And I do like to get one of those early guys, too, but not the top two. It's more like the four through eight guys that are really the ones I'm targeting. So, Wally Icabelica, Wally Icabelketa on our Facebook group. Uh, you can tell me if I got that right, Wally. Um, he asked a question. The NL is stacked with first baseman. Who are the top three? And I didn't realize until I looked, but 
most of the guys here at the top of the NFBC rankings, <laughs> they're all National League guys. Yeah, the yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, they are. I, I didn't I'm realize ass- that either. I'm assuming Goldie and Freddie are both in two of them, but I guess this moves us into the next group where we have Bellinger and Rizzo, and there's a few that are just behind them, but are one of those two your third guy? Yeah, uh, Rizzo for sure would be my third. It- I personally would go Freeman, Goldie, Rizzo. Like I said, Freeman and Goldie, it's a coin flip. But I, my, be- my best advice on Freeman and Goldie would just be just take the guy you like more because it, yeah. it's like – 50 50 you know and then i i think rizzo's solid at three so yeah i would uh that'd be my three rizzo i heard something interesting on the sleeper in the bus podcast a couple weeks ago uh, if you guys have never listened that's a great podcast justin mason and paul Sporer, and sometimes jason collette always giving good info over there and they were talking and you probably knew this but i didn't that anthony rizzo had one home run i think in the month of april is that right yeah i think that's right yeah yeah, it was a, it was a slow start for sure. I own yeah, a couple of leagues, and- but then he was up. He was awesome after that. He fi- he still, despite that, finished with twenty five home runs, and the rest of the year is I think batting average was near three hundred on base, near four hundred. Had an awesome year to where those twenty five home runs that he had are a dip from hitting thirty one or thirty two of the previous four seasons. He hit either thirty one or thirty two. He was the model of consistency. Then he dipped down to 25, which may have just been fluky from that one month. So if anybody's afraid because they see the power drop, I don't recommend following along with them. What about Bellinger at 44? Interested? He, scary? He's he's fine. I I think I would uh, I think I would just take Rizzo. I I think there's a little more of a gap than this than this data shows on Rizzo and Bellinger. I just trust Rizzo more. Um, obviously, you know, in dynasty Bellinger more so because he's younger, but in like a redraft mm-hmm. league, I just, I just trust Rizzo so much. I mean, he just does it every single year. Like he's good, you know, and it's, yeah. it's just automatic production. I feel like the floor is there. He's just so safe. And a lot of, you know, I'm a Cubs fan and I, I'm hard on a lot of the Cubs, but Rizzo, it's like. I'm all about him. I, I just don't see what anybody would dislike. The guy's just awesome every year. Bellinger with the splits, he had a tough year versus lefties compared to righties. Um, 54 strikeouts and 186 at bats um, or 210 plate appearances. So that's still, you know, just a little over 25%. But he only hit six home runs in those 186 at bats. It, it, it seemed like the platoon splits were a little worse last year. And, I don't know. I don't think I'm in on Bellinger this year in terms of that price. I'd either get Rizzo or once again be moving on. And if I didn't say, Rizzo has an ADP right now of 38.9 and Bellinger's at 44.7. So then we dip down to another tier. Uh, You could say these five through eight are all within 20 picks of each other. I'm going to list them and then we'll talk about them individually. Joey Votto's at 69.5. Matt Carpenter's at 76. Jesus Aguilar is at 82, and Jose Abreu is at 87. So what about these these four in terms of how would you rank them for starters? Gosh, I, I just avoid this group for the most part. I, w- I would wait even further, I think. I would probably say Carpenter, Abreu, Fado, Aguilar. 
if I had to pick, that would probably wow. be my that would probably be my order. I just I don't I don't take this group. I just now don't draft them. Jesus Aguilar had a heck of a year. Thirty five home runs, hundred and eight RBI, hit hit two seventy four. What is it about that you don't like? Yeah, it's it's not even that I don't like it. It's just there's more track record with the other three. That's one thing. But one thing I like about Carpenter is he crushes everything. He's he just the hard hit is off the charts on that guy. Yeah, I just I trust him. Votto, I think some of the skills are slipping. Obviously, the on-base skills are good, but some of his hard contact, batted ball stuff is is dropped off, and I um, I just have reservations with him where he's going a little bit. But these guys aren't in terrible spots in the draft. If you have a preference or you like one of them, it's fine. It's just this is kind of another situation with this group where I'm like, ah, whichever, if one of them slips, I might take them, but otherwise I, I probably am waiting a little more. Personally, I think I have them Votto, Abreu, Carpenter, Aguilar. I think I'm going with track record for the top two. I wasn't as high on Votto going in, but when I look at his hard, like his batted ball rates, he is hard to hit rate was actually the best he's had in his career last year. His medium hit rate was right at 49.9, which pretty much lines up. If his soft contact was the lowest it's been in his career, but he has a 9% home run to fly ball ratio compared to the last the previous three years was 19 to 21%. So I look at this as a buying opportunity for him. Now that I'm looking into it a little more as in, I think this guy could have a real nice rebound and get right back up there to the, what was he hitting the previous few years, home runs 29, 29 and 36, the previous three years. I think I'm back in on him after doing a little more digging. I think with Votto, it was something with his, his exit velocity that I'd read that his, ex, ex, his exit velocities have dropped or something. I, I honestly don't remember. It's been a little while since I read it, but I remember thinking something like that that kind of turned me off and, I don't know. I can't really say anything on that one, but that's interesting too. Maybe maybe I'll be bu- wanting to buy and be wrong, but I think I'm back in on him. Abreu, that's a guy who, when I dug on him, he was the one that really stuck out to me early this offseason. Is the guy I'm like, yeah, I want that guy. Uh, what are your thoughts on him overall? Um, I, I like Abreu. I can get behind him here. 87, I think it is. Slate in the sixth, yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, he's you know he's a good hitter, so it's if that's where you want to go, I don't have any issue with it. I really don't have it any issue with most of these guys. With with Aguilar, I don't know. I could see it going south. I'm not really sure. Early on in the off season, I was I thought I might be in on him, but yeah, I just I think that was the season he had last year. I think is driving that price up a little too much and. I think I'm probably just out. But if he does it again, it wouldn't completely shock me either. So The thing is, when you look at Aguilar's underlying stats, there's not much in there that actually gives warning. But I do I, – I get where you're coming from, and I can't figure out what to think about him yet in terms of am I buying him. In my draft so far, I have not taken him once. I haven't taken him in a mock. But there's nothing in the underlying stats that says it was a fluke. But I think I need to see him do it again, too, before I'd feel comfortable when I see these other guys around him. Abreu, specifically, the guy had played 154 games at least over the previous three years, 
had had solid numbers and last year he the he missed time with an injury and he and his home runs and his counting stats suffered for it but really when you look under underneath all that there was a little bit of a dip but it's not that bad if he had been there for the full season i think he would have been right around 25 27 30 home runs with more RBI and runs, and I think people would be still in on him. I don't know why. I think his ADP's fallen just because he missed time last year. And I look at it as this is a guy who's going at what did I where did I say his ADP was? His ADP was eighty seven, and a couple years ago he was a forty five to fifty. That's a, in my opinion, that's a good buying opportunity. So yeah, you, that the home run drop off. Probably why you're a big fan of him with it, and you you had him number one. I worry about it just because of that that huge jump in home runs. He hadn't hit he, the previous few years. He had did 21 and 23 home runs. He jumps all the way to 36. Do you have? Do you want to give a projection for what you think he'll hit this year, next year? You mean batting average? Um, I was talking home runs, but you can throw. Oh, batting average oh. In there home runs i would say um i think he'll hit like 255 to you know 250 to 260 with 30 homers yeah something well, like that close maybe maybe his... upper upper 20s maybe i mean obp obp i like him more definitely better than obp the guy's always been a great walker last year at a 15 percent walk rate and it's been about in that range for the previous few years, too. He's incredibly good at taking walks, and he's always going to be valuable because of that. He's a lefty who hits into the shift a lot, so his batting average and his BABIP have suffered for that for the last few years, but he's yoking that ball. But Steamer projects him for a two fifty one batting average, but they're only projecting 24 home runs. So Steamer thinks those home runs are going to come back down, and I'm that's what I'm afraid of with him. Yeah, like I said, I I don't like this group. I wouldn't even you. You said I was a big fan of Carpenter. I don't even feel like I am. I just don't like these guys. Like I don't like this group really. I, I'm not. I just wouldn't take them. That yeah. You know, it's just I'm just not I taking them. I, that. I think they're all. I think all four of them. It's. I feel like Votto, Carpenter, and Abreu at least. Aguilar's a little different, but I feel like those three. It's just kind of the name is pushing them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think any of the three of them do anything that's that special. I, I would take the one that was around last of the three. You know, yeah. and Aguilar's a little different because he just burst onto the scene and it's a little more like, can he continue to do it or not? But um, yeah, those three, it's to me, it really is. It's just, it's, it would be whichever one lasts. And I may even go down to this next tier. Okay. So let's move to the next tier. The number nine on the ADP and NFBC is Matt Olson. And we did get a question about him. Jacob Donmeyer, he said, Matt Olson's a streaky hitter. Could he go on a 2017 like streak for 150 to 200 at bats and lead all first baseman and home runs in 2019 with 40 plus home runs? His sophomore slump could be out of the way now. How would you answer that? Yeah, I think he can. Yeah. I think that Matt Olson, in a best-case scenario, could push to lead the league in homers. I mean, I'm not uh, – best, ca- best case, of course. You know, of course, I'm not saying that he, he can, he's going to do that. But 
Yeah, I think he can hit 40, no doubt. I actually, it's funny to bring gets brought up, but I had a buddy at work today. I'll just tell this story real quick. I had a buddy at work today that was, uh, he was placing bets on people to lead the league in home runs. And, you know, everybody has different odds. Like, you know, Judge and Stanton were like the favorites. They were like eight to one. And then it just goes down. And I actually asked him, what is Matt Olson's odds? Because I knew it wouldn't be a guy that would that people would pay. I want to say he was like thirty to one or something, but I just was thinking like, oh, you know, he's he's going to be down there a little bit because he's not an obvious choice, but he's a guy that I think could do it. Hundred to one odds? Is that what you just said? No, thirty to one. I think I think I think it was thirty. I I can't even remember honestly. I think that's what it was though. But it's just the point that I was mostly making the point that I asked him. What are his odds, you know, just out of nowhere, because I thought that that would be a, a sleeper, you know, that, that could do it. You know, he's another one of those guys that he's kind of similar to Matt Carpenter. He's almost like a poor man's Matt Carpenter in terms of the batting average, the OBP, what you could project him for. And I shouldn't say poor man's actually. Really, as I look at this, what makes him worse than Matt Carpenter outside of Matt Carpenter's track record? If you look at it, because... 29 home runs he hit last year, and I think some people were disappointed in that because he hit 24 and 59 games in 2017. And mid-200, like two, around 250 batting average with a 330 on base, which that's just a little behind Carpenter. But, yeah, I think if you're looking at Carpenter, that's a guy who I'd maybe try waiting an extra two round or two and try taking Olsen, who yeah. also does have league-leading capabilities in home runs. So yeah. I'm with you. I, I would I would buy Olsen at this price. I his his batting average isn't going to be great, most likely, but I think his power upside is higher than the entire tier ahead of him. Outside of maybe maybe Aguilar, but yeah, I, I think Olsen's power potential is is above those other guys. I, I can get behind that. So he was also of- he was also for what it's worth one of seven guys in the majors to play all 162 games. Wow. It's kind of, just kind of cool. Well, good for him. The Iron Man, Matt Olson. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so speaking of power potential, our next guy on the list, Joey Gallo with 116 oh, as his NFBC. The Mr. 36% K rate who takes a walk and hangs around the Mendoza line. Do you want to put up with this guy in a batting average league for starters? I actually bought a share of Gallo in Dynasty this year. I in an OBP Dynasty. Um, that makes a big I, difference. It makes a huge difference. I like Gallo. I think he's just he's a lot of fun. You know, it's just like this guy. It's it's like Adam Dunn kind of. It, it's like Adam Dunn all over again. It's tons of power, tons of walks, tons of strikeouts. It's the three true outcome guy. You know. And he's fourth in the majors in hard contact and second in the majors in fly ball percentage. So he's basically just hitting hard fly balls. And what do those do? They go over the fence. So it's just like, yeah, the guy, the guy's a beast. I mean, in bad, I will say this in batting average leagues, you do have to be really careful. And I would not specifically target him in a batting average league, probably. Unless you've built the team around him to make it work. It's 
it can be kind of challenging because he will torch your batting average. I mean, it just it's going to happen. Yep. He, he's he's a two oh three career hitter so far through about twelve hundred plate appearances, a little over. But he takes walks, like I said, OBP. He's great. If he ever gets the average up to even like two forty. The OBP is going to be, you know, 350, 360, and then it's just, it's crazy because his power, he can lead the entire league easily. He has more power potential even than Olsen, who we just talked about. Back-to-back years with 40 homers, I mean, you just have to know what you're getting into with that, with the batting average because it really will drain you. <laughs> He'll drain your batting average, there's no doubt. I'm willing to take a flyer on him even in a batting average league for one reason. I'm usually one that I draft a lot of guys who make good contact, not batting. I'm not really one who drafts many guys who don't have bad contact and can afford to take one of these guys. Cause usually the rest of my team is pretty well-rounded with batting average players. Not, you know, batting average is something that is, it's the flukiest of the five categories in standard rotisserie leagues. But that said, if you're drafting a lot of guys with good contact rates, you may be thinking that their ceiling and floor may be 270 to 300 as compared to a guy who maybe ha- doesn't have as good of a contact rate who can hit anywhere between 200, 240 and 280. So yeah, I usually take good batting average guys and Gallo, just like Matt Olson before him, he has, he has league-leading home run capability. The guy could hit 50 home runs this year, and I wouldn't blink. Yep. But... I will say this. I own him in a dynasty. I start up dynasty and I took him two years ago, got him pretty late in Roto Masters too. Turned out to be a real nice, nice profit I've gained off of him. He's 25 now and in a dynasty league, he's fun to own, but I could easily see in about three to five years, he being a guy who it goes away. It, it gets away from him quick. It's almost like the Javi Baez syndrome, which we've, we'll probably talk more about when we get to him, or Carlos Gomez. When you don't make get are going off some of your skills, but some other things just like uh, such a high strikeout rate. If it, if he starts slipping in the skills at all, that could get up over forty percent that K rate again. And next thing you know, you got a guy who's hitting one eighty with a two two seventy on base percentage or a two eighty, and that guy's probably not getting the playing time anymore. So yeah, no, yeah, I, I could see it too. I think I could see it. Yeah, <laughs> I think Chris Davis and the Orioles would agree with that too, or anybody. It's who's... just man, it's just God that the power. It's just so absurd. It's just mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a different type of player. It really is because there's so many guys like nowadays with the power that. I feel like in a lot of situations, I'm almost ignoring power anymore because everyone has it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. everybody's hitting. I mean, like I, I always use this example that Francisco Lindor hit 38 home runs last year. That guy was supposed to hit like 12. You know, yeah. when he was in the minors, he was he was a projected to be like a 12 to 15 homer guy. And that's why when these guys, some of these guys are in the minors. I don't even care what they say that their power potential is going to be really. I just. Because everybody is hitting for power, but not everybody is hitting for power like Joey Gallo is hitting for power. And that's <laughs> that's where, like, the difference maker type thing, that's what he has, you know. And it's it's crazy, man, some of his homers. It's just, it's so fun to watch. He's 
he takes balls off the off the hands and just knocks them out. It's it's nuts. I like I said, I own him, and a lot of guys who I own, if even if I don't watch the game, if I hear that they had a home run, I'll go open, I'll open the MLB at bat app just to watch the home run. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, something I've done for years. Yep, me and too. I remember for starters. His home runs, if you don't watch him play much, his home runs are like none other in the league. They just are rockets that just sky out. And yep. I think one time last year, he even broke his bat and still hit it out of the park. <laughs> That's just the yeah. crazy power that that guy has. Yeah, I remember he had won out to center in Texas. It was just it was just way out. I mean, it was just not even... It's Light nuts. Pole we're going on, we're going, we're probably going on too long about him, but... People are going to yep. think we, everyone's going to think we love him in fantasy. And I honestly like him more just watching him just like as a baseball fan than I do in fantasy. Cause mm-hmm. I understand, I understand his batting average is going to hurt your team. All right. Number 11, we're not going to spend much time on because he's got multi-position eligibility at three different positions. It's Gallo's former teammate, Jerks and Profar, who has been traded to Oakland. He's at 126. We'll talk more about him on the shortstop or third base podcast. And that gets us to number 12, another guy who just showed up out of nowhere, Max Muncy at 129 with the Dodgers. Muncy had an incredible year with the Dodgers last year, all of a sudden retooling his swing and hitting for a lot of power. He hit, I'm just trying to load it up, 35 home runs last year. 27% K rate, 16% walk rate. So he was getting on base well, still striking out a lot. Is this a guy you want on your team this year, Andrew? I could buy him at the right price. I'm not real into him. I, I He's better in OBP, I think. The home run fly ball rate was pretty high. This type of guy is tough for me because it was such an odd breakout at an odd, you know, just the age he was at and. He was so hot there for stretches. I, I remember there being points last season where I was like, Muncy hit another one. Muncy hit another one. And it was just like every day it almost became a joke. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it could fall off some. The OBP, he's good in OBP, though. I mean, he gets on base. And that's, that's one of those like fundamental skills that if you do that, It'll it'll keep you in you know it'll keep you in the lineup and keep you around as opposed to if you just can't you know if you just don't do it if you don't take a walk I mean he can definitely take a walk I don't mind him here I don't I wouldn't say I love it but I'm just kind of neutral What do you think I think you understated his you said his home run to fly ball rate was up <laughs> Do you know yeah. it was twenty nine point four percent last yeah, year Right way up yeah way up. And we were just talking last episode about Wilson Contreras and seeing his swing. I don't think I'm touching this guy with a 10-foot pole. I'm just, I'm going to have to, I just see those 35 home runs turning into 25 with a 27% strikeout rate to go with it. Now, I think I'm I'm good. I'm not going to be touching him. I don't blame you. So, next up, we got... Edwin Encarnacion, the artist formerly known as E5. His ADP is right there at 129. He's with the Seattle Mariners still after getting traded there this offseason. The reports are saying that they're, they've told him they're going to move him before the year starts because Seattle's obviously tanking right now, but they haven't done it yet. And we've got pitchers and catchers that have reported already. 
they got to move him, right? Yeah, you would think. I mean, it's with everybody else that they've moved. What sense would it make to hang on to a 36-year-old first base DH? I just you would think they Whose would trade. Skills him. are declining a little bit too. Yeah. I don't know what baseball god he upset. <laughs> yeah. This to happen this season. I'll tell you though, I don't mind him where he's going. I I mean, here's here's his home run totals, okay? I'm going to go back to 2012. So we've got that's 3 4 5 7 seasons. Starting in 2012 to 2018. 42 36 34 39, 42, 38, 32. Now, I know that, and I know the 42-38-32, it shows a little bit of decline. And he's not the greatest batting average guy, but he's always driving guys in. I mean, he's got 100 RBIs or more in six of those seven seasons. I mean, he's pretty good, you know? It's just he's... He is declining a little bit, I feel like. I mean, his K rate was up a little. His walk rate is down a little. His K rate has been climbing over the last few years. 15% a few years ago, up to about 22 last year. So it is declining some. But it just seems like people have wanted to write him off for a few years. And you look up at the end of the year, and he's got... 30 to 40 homers with 100 RBIs again. And he's cheaper okay, okay. than and he's cheaper than he used to be, so I got to ask you a question. You just you said one thing there that I want to he's always driving guys in. He's been on the Blue Jays who were had a really stacked lineup in the Indians the last few years. Right now yeah. he's in Seattle. That we could see a we just saw Eric Hosmer who has been a 100 RBI guy the last few years in Kansas City with a pretty good lineup around him go to San Diego. And his RBIs just tanked. Couldn't the same thing happen to E5 here? Yeah, yeah, it can. The one thing, like another thing, a reason I that I think I like him or that I'm saying this, saying what I'm saying, he is at the bottom. So he's 13th on this list. And there's a little bit of a drop after this. It's kind of like one of those where I feel like if you just miss on the other ones, you just take him and you live with it, you know, and it's not it's not going to probably be horrible. It's, You're getting the bottom of the it, tier, basically. Yeah, but but I mean, would you be that surprised if he's better than Matt Olson? I mean, I wouldn't. I could see them being pretty you close know? to the same. Yeah, grand scheme of things, except I could Olsen's see him in a better lineup, so I would expect yeah more runs right. in RBI. If he gets traded, that changes everything. Then all of a sudden, he may be able. Those counting stats are there. Yeah, the skills are declining. He can put up a number very similar to Olsen. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, you know, Cruz has been able to do it too in Seattle, so you never know. It was with better offenses, but I just feel like if you miss on all these guys, it's okay to just take E5 and and live with it. In a redraft league, you know, obviously Dynasty, it's, it's totally different. All right, so E5's at 129, and then we have... Ian Desmond, who's kind of in a tier of his own about 20 picks later at 147, he went 2020 in Colorado last year with a real good lineup around him, but it doesn't seem like people want him, but I also see some stats showing that he could be on the decline. Is he overrated, rated, underrated, or properly rated? Uh, 
I think he's properly rated. There's some good things. It seems like he does keep producing each year, but man, oh man, talk about a guy that doesn't hit the ball in the air. Yeah, I, I kind of neutral on him. I think he's I think he's in about the right spot. He, he's a different type at this position because he steals some bases and it's it's kind of different. I feel like this is a good guy to get if you miss on steals early on. Like if you mm-hmm. don't have he's like first base uh I think is he first base outfield eligible? Yes. Yeah. So he's first base outfield. I I'm, I'm kind of thinking along the draft and hold lines. But um, I think it's a good guy, yeah, if it's, if it's something where, oh, I didn't get quite as much speed. I, I'm not saying he's a burner or anything like that, but when you can put a guy at corner infield, even if they chip in like 15 steals, and I think, what is Steamer? Steamer's got him projected for 14. Yeah. I mean, that's good at corner infield because that's a spot where a lot of people are getting one or two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I don't mind him. I just you know he has his flaws. All these guys, I like you know, these guys. Do. Yeah, but I would not be projecting twenty twenty. I would not be drafting him hoping for twenty twenty. No. His home run to fly ball ratio last year was twenty four and a half percent. Yeah, he's in Colorado, but the previous year was thirteen percent. And his career, he's usually in the fifteen eighteen range. Maybe he can stay in the fifteen eighteen range. And but I'm projecting. Re- 15 and 15 if it was me steamer's got him 16 14 so that seems about right for steamer agrees with me i agree with steamer whichever way you want to say that so not like yeah. project them to take a little bit of a step back here but 15 and 15 out of a first baseman still real solid especially when steals are hard to come by so i'm yeah on. yeah definitely what Next do you up, uh yeah i was gonna i want to turn it on you here what do you think about these next two so we've got Eric Hosmer and Miguel Cabrera. They're about in the same spot. We've got Eric Hosmer at 166, Miguel Cabrera at 171. Which one uh, Which one do you like more? Neither. <laughs> I, you know what? Hosmer's the one that probably could rebound, I think, a little more. I'm worried about Miggy. I'm worried that that back is just toast. I'm going to have to see him actually healthy and producing. He's 35 years old. They were saying last year that that back problem could be something that lingers for the rest of his career. I'm going to have to see him bounce back before I take him. It's just not going to be my guy. You know, it's good to buy low if you think that there's opportunity to bounce back. And if his back's feeling better, I mean, he was an all-time elite hitter there for the previous 10, 15 years. But I'm not in on him. Hosmer, though, let's see. He's always been a heavy ground ball guy. And last year, he hit, I think he had 60% of his balls he hit went on the ground. The nice thing about him, like I said before, talk, when we were talking about E5 in Kansas City with that loaded lineup, he was driving guys in. Last year, he had 69 RBI in 157 games. And I know that San Diego's got guys coming up. Fernando Tatis will be up soon. They're really starting to build, and maybe they'll have a lineup around him soon, but I don't think it's going to be this year, and I just don't want a guy who's possibly going to have 70 and 70 home runs in RBI. Neither one do I really want. If I had to pick, I'm taking Hosmer. Yeah, it's funny you said neither because 
when I was looking at this, it was, you know, which one do you, which one do you think is more likely to rebound of the two? My exact answer was neither. <laughs> so I just, yeah, these guys, I don't even know what to say. I, I, I guess I'm kind, I am kind of with you. I think Hosmer is probably a little more likely, but it's like razor thin. I, I don't really feel good about, about either one. It's probably more just because Hosmer's a little bit younger. And with Miggy, there's not only declining skills, but there's also like the health. Whereas Hosmer is at least out there, you mm-hmm. know, but that's really all he is, is a warm body at this point. Gosh, his, his war last year was negative 0.1. I mean, <laughs> just terrible, like just terrible. Oh my Fortunately for the Padres, that contract should be in- ending here soon, and they'll get out from under it real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, 144 million they're dollars. Trouble. They're only one year yeah. into it. Yikes! Yeah, I, I think he's he's likely to be a little bit better this year, but it's like how can you not? How can you be worse? You know? It's yeah. Just, ugh. I don't disagree. He should bounce back a little better. And, I mean, even then he still had 18 home runs and seven steals. He chipped in for 25 home runs plus steals. But the counting stats with it were not there. And in a terrible ballpark, terrible lineup. This is why we were saying it's ugly. Once you get down to about here, if you don't have a first baseman already, it's it's not going to be pretty for you. Guys will come in, but you're not going to feel great about it going after the draft, I don't think. And yeah. speaking of which, let's move to the next guy, Yuli Gurriel with the Astros. 11 home runs, or let's see, what was it? 13 home runs and five steals in 136 games. You uh, Have you ever heard me talk about this guy? I've heard you rant about him once or twice before, yes. The floor is yours. <laughs> I mean, this is the most vanilla guy in the in the league like he's i i don't want this guy anywhere near any of my fantasy teams i just i want nothing to do with him four percent walk rate for his career he's not good at anything like the only thing that he is good at is hitting singles that's it that's it yep that's it he doesn't walk he doesn't play good defense, which, granted, that doesn't matter in our game, but I'm just saying overall. It's not like you're getting speed. I mean, I, he's in a good lineup. That has nothing to do with him. He's just not good. Like, I don't, I just don't, I mean, he hits singles. He hits a lot of singles. He doesn't hit it for power. He's got 34 career home runs and over almost 1,300 plate appearances. And he's a first base only. He's a first baseman. You know, I would rather take almost anyone going down this list that we're going to talk after him just on the sole fact that I know that they can hit for or have the chance to hit for some power because he doesn't hit for any. And it's a position where you basically have to. It's not like these guys are stealing a bunch of bases. It's brutal. I, I don't like him at all. So I'll let you take over from here. Well, this is all I'm going to say. You said he's boring. Um, you know, I have a daughter who's almost two years old now and, you know, she goes to bed about eight, eight thirty at night. And sometimes if she doesn't want to go to bed, the way I get her to go to sleep is I just put on Yuli Gurriel highlights and she's out. 
<laughs> that's 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 amazing. That's how she goes to sleep whenever I'm try- whenever she's really fighting me. I'm like, don't make me go get Yuli Gurriel highlights. Yeah, don't make and I do it, and she's done. I just uh, I just can't believe. Like he he has he does have a good average like for his career and stuff. Like I said, a lot of it's singles, but I just can't believe that Houston. You know they're they are great. I mean they they're a great team and they're a threat right now. They're in a contention window that may last for a while, and I just cannot believe that they keep rolling this guy out there at first base. I just don't understand. I mean. I've always, I'm kind of like an AJ Reed truther. You know, I've been, I, I invested in him a few years ago and I, I paid too much for him and whatever, but even he is, he's crushing in the minors and it's like, he doesn't get a shot and not just him. There's other guys like Jordan Alvarez could come up and play first if he had to, or, you know, there's, there's guys they could buy, you know, they could sign or trade for, and they just don't do it. They just keep throwing Yuli Gurriel out there. It's just, I, I don't get it at all. It just makes no sense to me. Their lineup could be even better than it already is, which is awesome. I mean, they're they're an awesome team. You know who I thought they should have traded for, who just seems to make a lot of sense for them? Justin Smoke. He's in Toronto where they're yeah. in, in the middle of a rebuild. He's This is his contract year this year, and we'll get to him in a bit. But that's a guy who they could trade for, who's going to be a high on-base percentage, bring some power. And he only has a year left, which if you've got a guy like Jordan Alvarez, who there's a chance he's up this year. But if by midseason it doesn't look like they're ready to pull the trigger on him, that's a guy who I'd go get here to for their stretch run this year because they should be in the playoff run again because their team is ridiculous. And that's a guy who I, I think they should move for because – Yuli Gurriel is not a first baseman on a championship team, except the championship team around him is so good that they're just getting by despite him. It's kind of like having a incredible roster and a terrible and an average quarterback. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> that's what Yuli yeah. Gurriel is. Totally. The next guy on the list at one ninety four is a guy who I know has been discussed a lot on Baseball three sixty five. Luke Voigt with the Yankees, who I am shocked. It still looks like right now, here we are in February, he's projected to still be the starter. And Mike Inglar did ask on Facebook, is this a three-headed monster with him, Bird, and maybe Anduar? Or is this or is this Voigt's job? That's uh, that's a good question. I, I really don't I don't think anybody knows. I that's the that's the thing that's tough for me. With Voight, some of this stuff, I feel like when we're, you're at this point in the off season, or you know, a little bit earlier than this, up, coming up to this, we all kind of think we know a lot more than we do as far as how situations are going to play out. I don't really know. I mean, I I don't think Greg Bird is much. Um, Andohar obviously had an awesome season, but I mean, they had him over at third. I don't. I don't know. I, I think if Voigt gets does get the job, like if he opens the season as first base at first base, I think he could stick. Um, but I don't think that's a lock either. If he comes out and is not good in spring, we'll see. I mean, he strikes out a good bit. 
he was good last year, though, when he played for the most part. So it's kind of a tough one because they're a good team. And I don't think that I just I don't think they're really going to put up with like him struggling because they can figure out something where they can put somebody else at first and he'll just get pushed to the side if he's struggling. So he's going to need to hit. But I think he can hit. It's just it's a lot of it's going to come down to what he does in spring and does he win the job? That's that's big for his value, I think. And it'd be it's real tough for me to draft him right now because right now his ADP is 194. So in a 15 team league, that's about the 12th round. I just don't have the stones to do it there. The guy, I still look at him and see a bench bat. It's just I'm I don't see it. I know there are some people that do. He did have a heck of a year in 47 games in the bigs last year combined between the Cardinals and Yankees. He had a 322 batting average with 15 home runs. That's incredible. But when you look at the stuff underneath, a 26.7% strikeout rate still, a 365 BABIP, I'm just not on board. If he ends up doing it, great. It's not going to be on my roster. He'll win it for other people. I just, I'm a Cardinal fan and I watched him with the Cardinals and there were times where I was like, oh, this guy might be something. And then it seemed like he turned into a pumpkin right after that. And I, I still think that's what's going to happen with him. Uh, I'm, it's a hard pass for me. Yeah, I will say he had a uh, higher swinging strike percentage than Chris Davis of the Orioles. Wow. So that that's kind of troubling. To say the least. Oh my word! I had not heard that stat. <laughs> oh my yeah. word! Yeah, fifteen. It's like fifteen percent. Chris Davis was like fourteen point two. So that's. Okay. I I think he's top ten. You know, swinging strike percentage. He swings and misses a lot. So I just don't think anything's a lock with him. And as as we get closer to opening day, we'll kind of see if he gets the job though on that team. He could be a value there if he sticks. It's just a lot of that is to be determined, in my opinion. And Voight being from St. Louis, I hear he's got ties and went to school with Jake Book from Baseball 365. So, Jake, how you doing, buddy? Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Number 19, back with his team that he pretty much spent the most of his career with. Carlos Santana this offseason was traded back to Cleveland. And he's going to be, I think, their DH or first baseman this year. He's at 199. In an on-base percentage league, that guy is awesome. He's always been a, incredibly good at taking walks. Last year was a little tougher, but, you know, I don't like to throw in stuff like this, but I think going home is going to be real good for him. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I, I like him here. He gets on base. The on-base is incredible every year, and uh, that's going to keep him in the lineup. The lineup on paper doesn't look that great. I think that the Indians lineup will wind up being fine. But right now it's kind of like, you know, there's there's some question marks there. But I uh, I do like him here. Yeah, for sure. And especially an on-base percentage. He's pretty consistent for the most part. Last year his, his batting average dipped, but some of that was BABIP. Yeah, his hard hit rates are pretty consistent. and Yeah, I like him. I like him in this spot. Yeah, there's not much when you look at his stats to see that he was really that much worse last year. I fully expect him to have another fine year. The BABIP was lower 
a hard hit rate and everything, I would expect that batting average to go back up. Steamer agrees. They've got him projected for 251, which is a jump from the 229. It's all luck-based, so who knows? But the lineup is worse, but he's still going to have Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez hitting around him somewhere. He's going to be right in the middle of that mix. So the counting stats should be real nice. That's better than what it was before when he left. Lindor and Ramirez were there, but they weren't the superstars like they were last year. So I feel optimistic about him. I'd love to have him here again just because he's a guy who can hit 25, 30 home runs and with pretty good counting stats around him. Of the um, 140 qualified hitters in the major leagues, three guys walked more than Carlos Santana. Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Joey Votto. It's it's impressive. I he gets on base, and it's just that's that in these days, kind of the way that the game has evolved a little bit. I just feel like on base is so much bigger than batting average. It's mm-hmm. he gets on base, you know, and it's just however you do it. I mean, a walk is the same as a single, you know. So, so here he is sitting here and. Um, the NFBC rankings at number 19 as a first baseman. If you're in an on-base percentage league instead of a redraft, that guy's a top 10 first baseman, or he's right yeah. there at least. Yeah. So yeah. just be thinking about that. We had our draft and hold leagues, and I didn't think – right whenever he was drafted, I was mad at myself. I was like, I should have thought about him. But, you know, when you're in a draft and hold league, if you're looking at rankings, he's buried down there. That's a guy, if you're in an on-base percentage league, I would be paying attention and making sure I moved him up 50 to 75, maybe even 100 slots in ADP. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I want to say, I can probably pull it up, but I think in my uh, DH7 league, he went in like round eight or something. It was it was up there, but I yep. didn't. I remember thinking when he went, I didn't think it was a bad pick because... He's just uh, he's just so good at getting on base. Yeah, agreed. So next up, we got Baltimore Orioles first baseman Trey Mancini at two eighteen. Mancini's been up for a couple years now. He had twenty four home runs each of the last two years. The batting average took a huge tumble from two ninety three to two forty two, but it should have been predicted because his batting average on balls in play in twenty seventeen with that two ninety three was three fifty two. And it, and it fell all the way down to 285 this last year, bringing him to 242. I think that's more of the player he is personally. He's a guy who really, he's an okay first baseman to plug in there if you're at this spot, but don't be expecting a rebound back to that 293 batting average. He's a guy who's not going to walk much, strikes out somewhere in the 23 to 24% range. Uh, the nice part is I think he has first base and outfield eligibility, so you do get that. But now he's even going to have a worse lineup because Baltimore has unloaded everybody. Do you have any interest in him? I actually uh, I grabbed him in my NFBC league. I want to say it was round 15 or 16. I don't love him. I mean, he's gonna he'll be in the lineup every day, and he'll be hitting probably – third, fourth, I don't know where they have him slated to hit right now, but I think he's going to hit right in the middle of the lineup, which I know it's Baltimore, but that still does help a little bit. But yeah, a lot of ground balls. I feel like he needs to rework his swing a little bit. 
start hitting more balls in the air, but he's okay. He's just okay for me. He's kind of uh, a little boring, but I guess a lot of these guys are. So, Yeah, so next up, we got Jose Martinez at 223. Jose got a chance at every day at bats last year with St. Louis to start the year, and the counting stats were pretty good in terms of a 305 batting average. Hits the ball real hard. I know that was something that was talked about last offseason with him. He, he's got a nice hard contact rate. The home runs didn't come up. But what has me afraid of him personally, and again, I think this is another guy I'm staying away from, is he was an absolute butcher in the field. So much so that the Cardinals quit giving him at bats. It was that bad. To And now they've got Goldschmidt to play first. Matt Carpenter's going to third. He was even worse in the outfield. I don't think this guy's going to have it bats to where I'm not really interested. Andrew, I know you were big on him last offseason. Are you still a fan? Are you worried about the playing time? Um, this is probably one of the top players for me as far as the difference in how I feel about the player versus the situation. Because I think, because I like the player. I think he can hit. Um, and I just want so bad for him to, like, go play in a hitter's park and just be able to play. Even if it's DH, whatever, first base DH. You know, I, I get that he's not good in the field. But I just think he could be he could be really good, like, if he had the opportunity to do that. But... He is just not in a good situation right now. He's just not – he's not even projected to be in the lineup at the moment. And, yeah, you know, being a butcher in the field doesn't help, especially when you're in the NL and no DH. You know, it it's tough. The situation just isn't good right now. But his OBP for his career is 372. He's got a batting average over 300. He can definitely hit. It's just – he needs the situation where he can D8, you know, or, or rotate. Mm-hmm. Between, I, I think AL, like rotate between first base and DH or something like that, where, you know, he can move around. Because in the NL, it's only it's only one spot. It's first base. I, I don't think that they're planning on throwing him in the outfield much, maybe a, a few games, but it'll be ugly. They, they better hope they throw him in left and no one hits the ball out there. <laughs> He needs to go to the AL for sure. I, yeah. I, I'm a Cardinal fan. I want him gone. It's not really as much as the for the bat. I, but it's just he he was bad last year in the field, and it was it was yeah. something that cost the team runs and games. So I'm all for trading him. Good luck somewhere else where you may be able to just go hit. So yeah. Until then, and if he's a Cardinal, as you're having your drafts in the next few months. I wouldn't be touching him until you hear he's moving, at least at this 223 price. If we get closer to the season and he starts falling to the three 400 range and it's the end of your draft, okay, put him on there and see if they trade him because I could easily see a situation where three days before the season starts, he's traded to the AL. That could easily happen. I think the Cardinals have done that a few times in the last few years and making moves right before the season. He's a guy I could see going, but if he's still on the Cardinals when you're drafting, and he's going at the in the 200s, early 200s, pass. You know who should get him? Who's that? Houston. 
<laughs> He's better than Yuli. <laughs> <laughs> the problem, the problem is, then Yuli still got to play first base. They don't want him at first base, but uh, who's their DH I just, right now? I, for the record, I just randomly thought of that, but um, no, I swear I would take, I would take his DH. bat, I would take his bat over Yuli's a hundred times out of a hundred. I would agree with that. I'm not, I'm not putting my daughter to sleep watching Jose Martinez hit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Justin Smoke at 2.30. Justin had a huge first, uh, 2017. By the way, he's got a wonderful first name. A <laughs> great 2017 with, with the Blue Jays having a, a big breakout year after being the big prospect there 10 years ago and really never living up to it. 2017 looks like it may be his career year when he had 38 home runs, 90 RBIs. His strikeout rate dropped all the way down to 20%. And it looked like things kicked back the wrong way this last year. Um, 25 home runs, 26% strikeout rate back to. His walk rate was still good. But also, his batted ball profile definitely took a dip. He had been in the 36, even 39% hard hit rate in 2017. The same for 2016, fell all the way down to 33.8% this last year. Home run per fly ball did dip a bit, which means, who knows, maybe that could bounce back a little bit. But the more I looked into him, I, the more I was like, oh, maybe he his decline's already starting. I mean, he is 32 years old. And going down the stretch, they were starting to give T- Raddy Telez some more at-bats. And given they're on a youth movement... I'm worried about that going into this year. Do you have any of the same fears I have, or do you think a bounce back is possible here? I could see it going either way. I In this spot, it's like we're far enough down now that I don't mind him. I mean, it's we're, he's 22nd at the position. I mean, that's... You know, it's kind of like if you if you waited this long, it's pretty much your corner infielder or your utility bat he'll have some power i mean batting average isn't really there he's yeah he takes walks so that's good but yeah i don't i don't feel great strongly about him one way or the other really it's just kind of like it's just in smoke you know he did have that one huge year I, i definitely don't think he's that but i don't think he's terrible I did buy into him after that 27 18 17 season there when he hit those 38 home runs i was the 20% strikeout rate, the drop to that, really had me thinking, hmm, maybe he's found something here. Unfortunately, I was wrong. At least it, he did regress back to what he had been before. The power was still above what it was before, but the, unfortunately, the strikeout rate and the, couple, and the batting average all fell back down. So, Next up, we got Super Utility Man, who's also still a free agent, Marwin Gonzalez at 232. So Marvin Gonzalez last year with the Astros had 16 home runs, two two steals. Is this guy just getting up here because of his eligibility? Yeah, yeah, I. It's definitely that. These are uh, draft and hold leagues, pretty much. So it's it has to be that. There's no other reason to take him ahead of the next guy. No reason. Yeah. Okay. We'll just move on to the next guy because I know this is one that you're excited to talk about. And that would be Jake Bowers, who last year, 
when you look at his uh, stats, maybe you're not too impressed when you see him with Tampa because he did only hit 201. So, Andrew, why are you excited about somebody that hit 201 last year? <laughs> that's a that's a good way of putting it. Um, <laughs> so we're at 24 in the first base rankings, and it's just like these guys, first of all, just starting off the top, you're not expecting anything out of. We're far enough down that it's fly. It's just total flyers, you know. Um, he's young. He can hit. He's in a good lineup. I mean, the BABIP was a little low last year, um, but he's always shown the ability to hit and take a walk in the minors. Um, the one thing I really like about him, though, that I think is underrated is I think you can get some steals here. The last two years between, like, in his full seasons, so 2017 it would have been all in the minors, and then 2018 it was split between my minors and majors. He had 20 steals in 2017, and he had that was all in AAA, and then he had 16 last year split between the two. So... I mean, if you can get even 12 to 15, this is kind of like what I was saying with Desmond. It's just, it's huge. And then you add in the fact that Cleveland just traded for him. So obviously they see something that they like. He should be in the lineup right now. Roster resource has him at as fifth in the lineup in Cleveland. And yeah, I just, I just like him. I think he, uh, I think he can hit, take a walk. He'll be getting on base. The lineup will be fine, like I was saying earlier when we were talking about Santana. and Yeah, I, I like the added steals bonus, you know, when you can plug him in. this Again, it's, it's a guy that's so far down here. Like how Marwin Gonzalez is going ahead of him, it's just, it's actually, it's just comical. I mean, it's, I would take Bowers ahead of probably all these guys going up to where like Hosmer and Miggy were. I would take him ahead of Guriel, Voigt. Not Santana in an OBP, but, you know, Al Bowers is good in OBP, but I would take Santana over him. But I would take him over Mancini, Jose Martinez, all these guys. Yep. I like him a lot. I've done a, I've done a 180 on him. I, I wasn't really that into him until I really started looking into it. But just the more I've thought about it with the speed and everything I've mentioned, I, I like him here a lot. They, they say with podcasts, it's good to – disagree on stuff so i asked that in a way to make it sound like i didn't like him but yeah yeah you sold me on him this offseason too <laughs> the 15 15 just like you said in the babbit being 250 um they steamer has him projected to hit 245 which is much better if he's doing that as compared to 201 in a in a batting average league with an on-base percentage still at 338 so when you combine that with steamer projections where they have 15 homers, 12 steals, 27 combined out of that, uh, out of a first base and outfield eligible. That's the other thing. He's dual eligible. Yeah, I'm in on him, and I agree with you. The only player between him and Miggy and Hosmer I'm taking over him is Carlos Santana. And I think I'd – I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think I'd take him over Miggy and Hosmer. Personally, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't think it's that crazy. I, I think that there's a chance. Like, so last year he went 
16 and 16 between AAA and the majors. 16 mm-hmm. homers, 16 steals. I mean, is it that crazy to think he could go 2020? I mean, it's no. it's not impossible. And it's just, yeah, it's it's a young guy. We're in a spot in the draft where he's basically like he's free. I mean, or or it's close to that. I mean, not maybe not free. And I know he is trending up for some people. There are some people that are into him, kind of like I'm mentioning. But yeah, I just think it's a little bit of a unique skill set with the steals. And we all know, like sometimes the homers just pop all of a sudden with these guys. Like he, you know, it, I wouldn't be shocked if the homers even bumped a little bit. So in a 15-team league, you know, when you and I started talking about him for the first time a month or two ago, he was going in the 16th round. That's what you told me his ADP was, and yeah, I looked, and that's right. I missed out on him in my draft and hold league. I think he went in like 13th or 14th round. I say all of that because if you look at putting him ahead of Mickey and Hosmer, like I'm saying, that puts him right there with Ian Desmond, who we kind of say is similar projection. I'd take Desmond over him still, but... Hosmer and Miggy and Desmond, you're talking 10th round. I've not seen him go anywhere close to that. You don't have to take him at that point. You can still draft him in the 12th, 13th round, and the odds are you're going to get him, even at that in a 15-team league, and you're getting production like you would be a few rounds earlier out of Desmond. So, Yeah, I, he's I, I'm, I'm definitely in on him for sure. And I, I've bagged on him in the past and just because I didn't think he had a lot of power, and I still don't, but... I've kind of changed the way that I uh, I think about him because I, I just think he's kind of unique and he's an up-and-comer that could be good. Moving on, next up, we got Josh Bell for the Pirates at 245, pretty much ADP right there with him. I know a lot of people really like this guy and keep thinking a breakout is coming. Are you one of those? No, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> totally off Josh Bell. It reminds me of like how people took feels like 20 years to stop thinking Gregory Polanco was going to be awesome. I, I just am not in, I don't think he's a great hitter. He gets on base. So he'll OBP, he'll be better, but I just think he's meh for average and meh for power. Doesn't have any speed. Isn't in a good lineup, whatever. I don't like him really. There's not much in the profile. I look at and say, yeah, this guy, I want this guy on my team. He's his ground ball rates really close to 50%. Doesn't get the ball in the air enough. Home run to fly ball rate was only 9% last year, 19 the year before when he hit 26. And I think it could be somewhere in between, but I'm still thinking it's probably still in the low teens. So maybe he hits 15 home runs and has an on base, but that that's nothing that really excites me getting 15 to 17 home runs and steals. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's Hard just for me too. he's just so mediocre. I and I, I did hear a few whispers that he was reworking his swing a little bit. I don't know how how much truth there is to that. It was it was something brief that I had heard a while back. So maybe there's hope because another guy that just doesn't hit the ball in the air enough. But yeah, I just I I'll believe it when I see it. I remember a couple of years ago when they were saying that about Yonder Alonso and it ended up being true. But I think we saw some things there even in the spring, if I recall. I could be wrong on that, but there may have been things we were seeing in the spring to show otherwise. So unless we start seeing him yoking the ball in the air a lot in spring training, I'm not really going to 
that's a guy who, if he breaks out and does it, I'll just miss out on him. Yeah. Next up is a guy who now is with the Minnesota Twins, CJ Cron at 257. He spent last year with the Rays and hit 30 home runs. I think you have him in Roto Masters too, or at least I know you did have him. What are your thoughts on Cron now that he's moving to Minnesota? He's all right. I think uh, I think he'll be similar to what he was last year. You know, two fifty type that has some pop, twenty five to thirty homers probably. You know, probably closer to twenty five. I guess I think his homers will drop a little. He had thirty last year. Strikes out a lot. I mean, it's nothing exciting. But I mean, then again, we're at twenty six, so it's I don't really have a whole lot to say about him. No, I think that's about right. Honestly, I think he's Trey Mancini. I think they're the same guy. And he just got a little bit of some luck with home runs last year to get him up there. And Mancini could easily do that some year, too. But I feel like they're kind of the same player. Yeah. Okay. Next up, another breakout who came out of nowhere. I think a couple years ago, he had a little bit of a run, too. And that's with the Astros' Tyler White who in 66 games, once he was called up and got some playing time, he hit 276 with 12 home runs with for the Astros. They've got Gurriel there. Is White going to carve himself out a role this year, or you're not really too interested? No, I'm not really interested. He could have a stretch where he does, but I I just, I just don't think he's that good. He, Gurriel isn't either. Right? That's the thing. I I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but I just feel like they should, like I said earlier, I, I feel like they should be making some attempt to get somebody in there that is better than these guys. I just, it blows my mind. It's like you've got Altuve, Correa, Bregman, Springer, Brantley, all these studs everywhere. And then you got these guys at first base, like what is going on? It's just, it seems like such an easy position to at least get someone that's decent and I don't think any of the guys, the options that they have are. You know, it would be nice if they plugged Michael Brantley over there. I don't know if he even yeah, could. Yeah, I, I heard something about that, actually, when I was reading about Brantley for my NFBC. Uh-huh. Justin and I are both Brantley fans. If you uh, you uh, listeners don't know, we'll we'll be diving on him in the outfield ranks for sure. But, but yeah. He'll, I get, hear... he'll get a 15-minute segment when we get yeah. the outfield ranks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I did hear just brief things about, oh, he might, he might move to first base for parts. You know, that would be nice for dual eligibility. Michael Brantley. Good stuff. Yeah. So I just got, I just got an email that I'm on deck in a leg and this may be that mean in my dynasty startup, which means this may be the second consecutive podcast. We get a horn for you guys. So (laughs) something to look forward to guys. We just need (laughs) one more pick taken and y'all get a horn. (laughs) Okay, number 28 at first base. He doesn't have a professional at bat yet, but he sure had a heck of a year down in the minors last year. The Mets, Peter Alonzo. Now, we did get a question on him, too. John Dean on Facebook has asked, is Alonzo overhyped? Could J.D. Davis actually be starting for the Mets by the middle of April? You want to take that? I'm not real big on Alonzo. But the thing is, is in this group, he looks, he does look the best. I mean, like, just because this group is so blah, I just wonder how they're going to work him in or when they're going to work him in, I guess. I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of, I'm not real big on him in, like, dynasty leagues, just because 
I think he's just valued so high right now. I'm, I'm going to talk about Dynasty for just a second here with him. But I think he's valued so high right now. And it's like when you're a right-handed hitting, first base only prospect in the National League, there's one position he can play. And for him to really make a difference, he's going to have to completely mash in the majors. And I'm not saying he can't do it. He could. But the number of guys that do that is it's a very, very short list. It's just it's not a long list. And I, I'm just in Dynasty. I, I'm just like the type I would probably trade him and just take my chances because I think you can get a good amount for him. Redraft, though, it's all about when he comes up. I, he's probably their best option there. It's like Todd Frazier, you know. J.D. Davis, I'm not in on. I mean, if it's J.D. Davis or Alonzo, it's got to be Alonzo, you know, so. I but, own J.D. Davis and Roto Masters, too, and I own Alonzo. I just took him in the startup dynasty. That's OVP, which is why I went in on him. I'll mention another good podcast, Prospect One, Chris Welsh. He did a couple mock drafts with prospects with a bunch of his listeners, and I think Alonzo went in the first round of the top 10 in all three drafts, if I recall. So yeah. he's definitely a guy that's valued. So yeah, oh, for sure. You're lo- if you're not sold on him, he would be a guy you could probably get a really good player for. Yeah, 36. and again, it's not that I don't think he can be good. It's just when you're restricted to all of you know what I said, it's like right-handed hitting first base, NL, you can't DH, there's nowhere to go. He's playing first base, and at first base – to be that difference maker, you really have to hit and you have to hit for power both. And in the majors, it's just, it's a, it can be a tough conversion, you know, like going from even the high minors to the majors guys like Goldie and Hoskins have done it, but there's plenty of guys that haven't too. And it's, if he's Goldie or Hoskins, obviously it works out. But if I'm betting that he's that, or he's not that I'm going to bet that he's not that. And if he's not that, that's not good because you're right. That's the yeah. that, that's the comp I was going to use was Hoskins in terms yeah. of he's got to come up and be Hoskins. And the profile looks a similar to Proskins when he came up, but yeah. in terms of that 250, 30-plus home run bat. But, yeah, he's got to do it when he gets up. And the thing is, the Mets just changed their franchise in the direction they were going this offseason by buying a lot of pieces they're playing to win now, so if he comes up and struggles, the playing time's not going to be there. So. And the other, and the other thing is too, with everything I've said, he is worth a lot right now. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, you know, whatever op- your opinion on him is, you can get a lot for him. Even you know whatever your opinion is of him, you can get a lot for him in Dynasty for sure. So I, I would explore it if I had him, but. I don't have him, and I, I won't. So. Okay. I think we covered that one well. Let's move to the guy who was his teammate, even though he hasn't been to the um, – Alonzo hasn't been to the bigs yet, but they were in the same organization until a couple months ago, and that's Jay Bruce, who was just traded to Seattle. He I, – I think he's supposed to be – is he going to be in the outfield or first base? Where are they projecting him at? Do you know? Um, I think they had him at uh... – I think they have him at first. Hmm. So Dan Vogelbach still not going to get a chance. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I um, think uh, I think when I looked, they had him at first. Well, actually, roster resource shows him at uh, DH and Edwin at first, but I could see that being reversed. Man, it was a brutal year last year for Brewers. 94 games, injuries, nine home runs, 223 batting average. And he goes from, uh, and you know, the Mets franchise had a bad year last year in a bad park. And he goes from a bad franchise in a bad park to a bad franchise in a bad park. Yeah. <laughs> so you buying him down here? Cause you know, he did have a rough 2014 with the reds. That was injury riddled. I think he had, um, an appendect, not, uh, yeah, I think it's appendicitis burst that year. And he came back the next couple of years to be productive. Had an injury last year. I honestly don't remember what it was, but he also, but he's also getting long in the tooth and the bigs. He's now getting, Oh, he's 31. He's younger than I expected. Yeah. Did he rebound always, again? It's funny. You said that. Cause I always think that every time I look at Bruce, I always <laughs> think, Oh God, he's not as old as I thought. Like every time for his whole career, I feel like I've been doing that. Yeah. I would, <laughs> I, I would buy him where he's at. Yeah. I think that, um, there's enough proven power there. It's like, He's mostly free be, just because of what happened last year. But the year before, he hit 36 home runs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's I, I wouldn't be shocked if he had a 30 home run season. It's he's free, you know. So yeah, I like yeah. him here. I, I'd buy him here. Okay. Next up, Nico Grudrum with the t- Tigers. I honestly don't know much about Nico Grudrum. Could you light, enlighten me on some things about him? <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually own him in my. 20 team dynasty league you know i feel like he's kind of just in there because the tigers are just in a rough spot you know they just don't have they're just not good i mean they're just not a good team and he's probably just filler right now until they get somebody that's better but he's got a little bit of pop a little bit of speed he he didn't have a bad year it was i think 16 homers 12 steals it's it's nothing exciting we're down here at the point but it's first base, second base, I think, is his eligibility. So that's kind of nice. If you're in a draft and hold, you can play him at corner or middle infield. And he should get at bats, which is good. That gets us out of the top 30. And for the, I do want to start talking about a couple of these other names here. And I'm just going to read off 31 through 40, and we'll just pick some that we want to talk about. And I've got some Facebook questions about some of these guys. So 31's Yonder Alonso, who's now with the White Sox. And at 32, Ryan Zimmerman and Walter McMichael did ask this question. Who's the best value at first base in 2019, and why is it Ryan Zimmerman? <laughs> <laughs> now, did you have something on Zimmerman, or are you high on him this year? Walter did kind of get me in on him a little bit. I started diving into it a little bit, so shout out to him, but... Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely in on Zimmerman where he's at. I like him a lot. Hard hit, like he he's, he crushes the ball. I remember reading an article, and I don't want to misquote, but I believe the stat that I read was of all the players that put 200 balls or more in play last year, he had the second highest hard hit percentage or exit velocity. I can't remember. So I apologize for that, but it was one of the two of of everyone, and number one was Aaron Judge. So the guy, the guy still mashes. It's just a matter. It's strictly, it really is strictly health with him. If he mm-hmm. can stay on the field, 
he's he's a value here. There's no doubt in my mind. I last year in a my dynasty league, I traded for him in a for a fourth round pick in the sub in a sub draft. Somebody was basically just giving him away to me, and yeah. it was a daily league, and I loved having him because when he was in the lineup, I had him in my lineup because he produced when he was in there. He doesn't play every day because he's got he's got his health stuff. They've just traded back from or they got Matt Adams again, so there could be some platoons in, in there again, or at least frequent days off. But in a daily league, I like him a lot and more than a weekly league. Yeah, the other thing too, and I know people might laugh when I say this, but. A lot of leagues now, they have more DL slots than they used to. <laughs> and having extra DL slots when you have Ryan Zimmerman, it, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's like if the guy's hurt, he's obviously just, you just throw him on the DL. And if he's, but if he's healthy, I feel like you can put him in your lineup and feel pretty decent about it. Like it's, it's kind of one or the other thing, but I just feel like that helps a little bit, just a little thing, I'd- you know? It's, I think after he retires, they may rename that the ZL. Yeah. The Zimmerman list. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad. It's kind of got kind of got a good ring to it. It sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just said I was going to list 10 guys off and then got to Ryan Zimmerman and stopped. So <laughs> we'll try to get, the, I'll list the rest of them off here. Brandon Belt at 33. Uh, John Hicks is 34. We talked about him last episode a little bit. Ryan O'Hearn with Kansas City's at 35. Ryan Healy with Seattle's 36. Young Texas first baseman Ronald Guzman's at 37. Justin Bohr at 38. Ryan McMahon at 39. Man, he fell in a year. And speaking of falling in a year, Eric Thames is all the way down at 40. So we talked about Zimmerman. Are there any of these other guys on this list that you would draft in a redraft league that you're kind of interested in? No, not really. I know there's a few in on O'Hearn. He's okay. He should get at bats. He could probably move up into that 15 to 25 range, you know, with just just off of at bats. And he could be okay as like a corner infielder. One one I will say is if McMahon somehow stumbles into a job, which I don't really anticipate, but if he does, he could be interesting. And I think. uh, Ronald Guzman could be a little interesting, too. But but again, that's. That's one of those things that I kind of always say when you're this late, it's like if you just want to take a shot on a young guy that you think is interesting, there's nothing wrong with it. Because if it doesn't work out, you just cut him and move on. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of where I'm going to be going on a lot of these lists when we name off these guys. Because it's like, I know Ryan Healy is not good. Mm-hmm. I, I When I see Ryan Healy, I just pass over. I just don't even think about it because I just no. know he's not good. He can put the bat on the ball, but that guy will not walk. I'd just rather take anybody that I have even a 10% feeling inside that he could be, he could break out, you know, and I just, I know Ryan Healy isn't good. So Uh going back to O'Hearn, somebody was talking to me, offering him to me in a dynasty league this off season. I thought, well, he finished pretty strong. Let me go look into him. And then I realized that guy's got some ugly platoon splits. He cannot hit lefties, or at least it doesn't look good so far into his career. So, yeah, that ran me off of him in a daily league. He might be interesting to plug in because he does mash against right handers, but yeah, he can't hit lefties. He's a platoon bat to me. 
And then Eric Thames is interesting to see all the way down here just because last year at this point, he was still going pretty high. He had that great year in 2017. But as it got so ugly for him down the stretch that he wasn't even on the playoff rosters. But if he could get a little bit of a rebound, that's a guy who I also think could is worth a flyer as a reserve pick just in case he falls into a bats and finds something again. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I like him a little more maybe in like a draft and hold league where you can play yeah. him when he plays. Because like in a regular league, you're just going to cut him for the – who's playing one guy. One thing I want to touch on because the guy is not in the top 40, but he deserves to be mentioned is uh, Nate Lowe for Tampa. Hold that right there. We'll just go right into this question, which kind of lines up with that. Then Brennan Craig asks, which prospect makes the biggest impact in 2019 and who's the best, who has the best career among first basemen. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many, how many is there even? I mean, there's. I hate there's first a couple base. Of them down there. I hate there's first base prospects, so it's. Rowdy Telez, Nate Lowe, you got Peter Alonzo, a few of those guys, but I just wanted to give Brendan the shout out because I was going to throw that in there. Yeah, go, yeah. Go on on Lowe because I, I, uh, I'm big on him too. Well, I. It's not even so much that I'm big on him, but it's a couple things. One, they have G Man Choi plugged in at first base. <laughs> That's one. Two, he's crushed the upper minors. I mean, it's last year, 330 average, 4, 416 OBP, 568 slug. I mean, OPS just under 1,000. 27 homers, 102 ribbies, and almost 500 at bats. So he's ready. I don't know how quickly he'll be up, but when he is up, He's going to be picked up if he's not owned, you know, in like a redraft league, dynasty leagues he's owned. But um, he's definitely interesting where he is at. It's in like a draft and hold situation, you're going to have to wait a little bit because he's not going to be up opening day, most likely. And he could uh, be up in May. Yeah, yeah, he could. But the, but the other thing is, is he could all, it could also be July or August because it's mm -hmm. the Rays and you just don't know. But yeah, I just think it's something to keep in, in the back of your head. If if you're first if you're in a situation in a redraft league where you missed out on first base or your first baseman got hurt or whatever, I would I'd be stashing that guy because when he comes up, I'm not saying he'll be great right away, but he could matter. He definitely could matter. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. A couple things I was gonna add on him. You've got a rule in Rotomasters Dynasty League, and we'll talk more about Dynasty Leagues and how we run them, like the Rotomasters, down the line. But one of your rules in there is that after the end of June, any prospects that have not had a major league game, they cannot be added unless they get called up between July 1st and the end of the year. That's how Lo and Loza was not picked at the end of June, so he was available in our subdraft. I had the 10th pick, and I was really hoping he would get to me. Brian Crump, he got him before me. I was really bummed. We just got our Baseball America Prospect Handbook was just sent to my house this last week, which if there's one book you're going to buy that's baseball-related, if you play in Dynasty Leagues, that is the book to own. That's the first one I've owned, and, man, it's incredible. You've owned them since, like, 2009, right, Andrew? 2012, yeah, last eight 2012. of them. 2012. Either way. You've had a bunch of them. 
I have been missing out the last few years now that I finally put the money in and got one. Either way, I'm just plugging everything tonight. Either way, I, I read on Nate Lowe that he's always been able to hit the off-speed pitches, but the book on him was that you could bust him in with fastballs. And finally, this last year, he adjusted his swing to where he was turning on those and just corking them out of the ballpark. And that was a real big change for him. He's always been able to take walks, always had good discipline at the plate, didn't, stri- didn't strike out too much. But that was a big change. And once he made that adjustment, it, he just took off last year. And yeah, I definitely, I didn't get him in the draft and hold him, was mad at myself for it. Missed, him out, missed out on him again in this Dynasty League startup that I'm doing right now. I'm mad at myself because I keep missing out on him, and I want to share because yeah, I don't, he's interesting. By the way, I don't know how he was available in that sub-draft. That was so weird. <laughs> I, somebody had to have dropped him, or I don't know what happened. I, I'd have to go back and look. But, yeah, that was yeah. – uh, yeah, I would just keep, I'd just keep him in the back of your mind for redraft for sure, and maybe stash him if you can, if you need help yeah. in first base. If you're in a redraft league and you need help, I wouldn't draft him. Unless it's a draft and hold, but I would definitely be thinking about it around May 1st. Yeah. That's about the time I would be given. I'd go the first month of the year. You could probably find somebody who maybe is closer and help you right then. Around the time May 1st, middle of May, if you've got a roster slot, that might be a good time to take him because you're approaching Super 2. And I have seen the Rays be aggressive and call up guys in May before. Yeah. they've they're, th- That said, they've cleared a spot out for him. That trade of Bowers really just made it seem like, all right, this is our guy. We're just going to put Choi here for a month or two, and then he's our guy. So, Yeah, especially especially if corner infield's weak for you or something. It's, it's interesting. I don't really want to add anything else amongst any of these other first basemen. Are there anybody no. after 40 that you want to talk about? I've got one last question for you. Actually, two of them. Michael Anderson did ask if Rowdy Telez is a viable replacement for Smoke after he's moved if he's moved at the deadline. Are you a fan of Telez? Not really. No, I. It's a young guy. Get in there and you know give him a chance, see what he does. But I'm I'm not really a big fan of him. No. Not no, a, not a, the, just not enough power and not enough walks lately. It's you never know. But I'm I'm not real big on him. No. I think people got enticed with that 23-game sample when he came up in September or August, whenever it was he came up. He hit uh, 313 with four home runs. Looked real pretty if you had him at that time, but I do want to point out that he had a 28.8% strikeout rate with a 2% walk rate, a 391 BABIP during that time. So there, and he's a slow lefty who is not going to have a good Babbitt because of the way he hits the ball and the way he moves. This is a guy who, yeah, I would not be interested in. As The more I researched him because we've got Dynasty drafts going on, I was like, I thought, oh, that guy's interesting. And then the more I dug, I'm like, okay, no, I'm not interested. So I unfortunately do not think he's the answer for Toronto after he's gone. He may get a shot, yeah. but I'm not expecting good things. Yeah, I think he'll he'll probably get a shot, and we'll see what he does. But so yeah. the the last question I'm gonna Timothy Scott Weber asks, and this one's definitely for you, Andrew. Will AJ Reed ever develop into anything more than John Singleton? And why can't the Astros develop hitters ever since Correa? Man, it's just it's just 
I could go. We could start a whole new podcast on <laughs> on me and AJ Reed, but I don't get it. I just don't understand. I don't understand why he's not been given a shot. If you look at his numbers in the minors, and uh-huh. you look at, and you look at what I mean, he's he crushed last year. Three forty four OBP, twenty eight bombs. I mean, he he strikes out a little too much, maybe, but. It's not anything crazy. It's just I don't I don't get it. I I I've lost a lot of faith, but as far as like him becoming anything, I, I've I've pretty much lost faith. But a lot of it, I just feel like, is just because they're they're not giving they won't give him a shot, and it's it's frustrating because of what they actually have there at the major league level. <laughs> and yeah, and yes, if I if I didn't say it, I don't think Yuli Gurriel is good. If I didn't say that once, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say it again. That's the best thing we want you guys to take from the biggest thing we want you to take from this podcast. Yuli Gurriel is not a. <laughs> we're not fans of him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, gosh. Just... Do you give any credence to the second part of his question about the Astros developing hitters because? They did have Alex Bregman come up and turn into a superstar, but they do he's, have a few that have come up and not. He said, few years. he said besides Bregmania, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bregmania running miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've been all right with it. It's just, it's just so weird how they've handled that whole situation with the first baseman. I, I look at A.J. Reed every year, I swear, and it's like I'm following him and he's hitting bombs, and I just don't. It's just so weird to me. I don't get it. And it's in the it's in the upper minors. It's not. He has not been good when he's come up. I will say that he has not been good. But I feel like they have. He hasn't had enough of a shot. They need to just let him go. Or what I've always thought too is like, why don't they just trade him? Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. Like, there has to be some team out there that if they're not going to use him, his trade don't value is pretty much shot. Send him to the Marlins. Send him yeah. to the Marlins. Yeah. But I mean, you you I, would think you would think if he got to the majors, he could at least be like a, you know, a Justin Bohr type or something. <laughs> you know, just something where I'm not saying he would be great, but he could be okay. I mean, it's it's all weird to me. I don't they, I just don't get why they haven't moved him. They definitely have soured on him, but they still hold on to him. So yeah. he's in purgatory for a little while, I think. Yeah, it's strange. Okay, so that I think that's going to close us out on first base, unless you have anything else you want to add. No, that's. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. We went we went for a little while here, so yeah, that's a good yeah, that's thing good. we didn't d- decide to try doing catcher and first base on the same show. Yeah, it would. I never. don't think that would have went well. <laughs> yeah, it would have been three hours plus. Which means, going forward, we were talking about trying to do two a week in terms of two positions. We're probably going to have to, if we're going to be doing two a week, we're probably going to have to be trying to do two episodes a week. We're going to see if we can do that, give it, an ep, give it a go to see if we can. If we can, great, we'll get them all done in time. If not, well, we'll just have to do the best we can with what we got here. So, yep. thank you all for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast. It's been real fun doing these first two episodes again join our facebook page if you can baseball 365 is the group 
The link will be in the show notes. Follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. And on there, it also has a link to our Facebook page. And outside of that, I appreciate you guys listening. And take care, everybody. Yep, thanks for listening, guys.